Welcome to Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Happy Hump Day. Happy Nurse Appreciation Day. Happy Day After Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. I love that. Welcome to Pride the Podcast. I am Mr. Braden Bradley. I'm Darrell Anthony. I'm Ashley Mitchell. And I'm Adam Andrew Rios. And we have a special guest with us today. Hard-hitting journalist from Inside Edition, yes. Lisa Guerrero! so excited to interview Lisa because I have a passion for investigative journalism mm-hmm. so I can't wait to talk to her to learn all the inside tricks and, and Lisa tips. was one of my idols growing up I watched her on Sunset Beach as Francesca mm-hmm. Vargas in a national jewel thief so I'm very excited <laughs> to speak to her she taught me how to get any man I want just by looking at them so, so she taught you how to be a hoe she taught me how to be a hoe so you're blaming her for your unsuccessful... <laughs> okay, first of all, ain't nothing unsuccessful over here. No, he's a hater. Brayden hates on me every podcast. I need everyone no, out there to know. All of our hating. listeners, Brayden is a hater. I'm not hating. I'm just making sure we get back to reality. No, Brayden, we are been in reality. Was hope. anyone part of a journalism, like... Thing in school, like I did, like yeah. the Sands, which was our like local high school newspaper. No. I did, I did the radio, our radio station in college. I also you wanted to go to school, like for Radio Free Roscoe. I also anchored our radio station in high school. Yeah, I was all about RTF for mm-hmm. sure. I still want to be a part of. He wanted to go to UT RTF, so I got into UT Why RTF. Why couldn't you go? Oh, because my parents are Republican. Because some oh. dumb shit, <laughs> some stupid, stupid shit, shit went, went down. down. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> So my parents ruined my career. It's all good. Stop it. It's all good. There's there's a book coming out about it. Um, I can't wait. I read that like little like you posted on Instagram about like your whole like the way you um, visualize or like made me visualize like the whole throwing of the Bible and this and that. I wrote that on Instagram. Well, you You just you had just like put (laughs) like uh, working on the book and like I like. Held it and like looked and I was like um, I read the paragraph. Or whatever. Oh, you held and read. Yeah. Oh, thank you for holding and reading. Yeah. And <laughs> um, I'm, no, I'm the proposal. Bit. It's all in the proposal mm-hmm. and um, it's it's coming along. Anyway, um, how are your <laughs> COVID proposals going? <laughs> um, COVID Mail. is it's interesting because I think this week is like going into like the what's next like people really are wondering what's next because the weather is getting nicer you saw this weekend that people were out um in parks there were a lot of people not being responsible mm-hmm. um i understand that the weather is getting nicer but everyone please continue to be responsible you don't want to be the cause of your grandmother your aunt or anybody getting sick like like please be responsible like wear a mask wear gloves if you want to go outside and take a walk and, and and feel good, that's fine. But you just have to be responsible. Especially yeah. in places like New York. Like, we're at the epicenter, but we still see people in Central Park. And it's popping uh, The outside. West Side's uh, pier next to uh, where Rock Bar is over there. Like, what are they Everybody doing? was out there like they were fucking seals. Just, like, <laughs> lounging and just <laughs> chilling. Seals. And, like, and all the police were just giving out uh, masks and... I, and well, let's you know, talk like, about meanwhile, that. Let's, let's, let's dissect that. Actually, I'm curious. Meanwhile, your I keep seeing videos every day of black people being locked up, being like just two or three people being brutally arrested, mm-hmm. slammed Speak to the ground, it. punched in the face, punched in the gut, like just for not being socially distant. Yeah, right. Meanwhile, 
there is like groups and seas of white people, just like you said, like seals, just no mask, no gloves, no nothing. Ain't no police nowhere. I know. No, there are police there. They're they're there, but they're they're just handing out masks. Right. Which I just just find completely ludicrous. I mean, but Mm -hmm. we think about it though, this, first of all, this administration, but also this disease has shown us people's true colors. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have people out there protesting and they're bringing nooses and KKK masks and things and it's like... So is this, yeah, and it's like, so is this about you being able to go back to work to take care of your families or is this another kind of agenda you're trying to push? I think it's a power move. I think it's mm-hmm. they think that they have control of this nation, whatever they think should be best for this nation is the most important. Um, the however, fish rots from the head, though. Well, it rots from wherever. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's it's still not it's still not the importance of what's really going down. Right. The importance is is saving people's lives, and unfortunately, the people that are protesting don't really care if that life has to be a brown person or a black person mm-hmm. or a, a color of any different color that their body is. It's really disgraceful. Um, so that's, that's really what has shown the light for me and my opinion of what the people are, are doing in terms of responding to the COVID pandemic. Anybody else? (sighs) No, that's pretty much it. I mean, you covered it. Yeah. It's It's just really disgusting. It's just very revealing. Everything is very revealing and people are showing their ass, showing their true colors in good ways and bad. You know, people are, some people are really stepping up and showing how much of heroes they are and how brave they are and how loving they are towards just human race. And then other people were showing their ass and it was like, oh, you really, really don't care. Or like, you're really dumb. Like, you just don't get it. But like to play devil's advocate, like, how long are people supposed to go without going to the grocery store, without doing their laundry, no, without I get doing that. all no, no, no. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Where do that? back but to real life. I like, get, like, because the... I'm ready to go back to work. Like, I need to go to work. Because unemployment is still ducking and dodging Playing me. Playing you, girl. And then I was told, hopefully, that there would be some coming up in August. And I'm just hoping and praying that we can just go back to work. I need to go back to work. Because, like... <sighs> I agree with that, but I think there's a healthy way me. to do it. Because what we're talking about is people literally sitting in the park, not doing the six feet apart, and not wearing masks, not wearing gloves, not taking any precautions. So it's like, you can do those things and still do the social distancing rule. Like, if you want to go to the park and sit and have a drink with friends or or sit on a mat and eat a sandwich and get some fresh air, that's fine. But what we saw this weekend were people blatantly saying, we don't care, the weather's nice take off this mask, take off these gloves, and just be disrespectful. So Those circuit gays. But, yeah. but in, I mean, it's, it's not just them, but until... I mean, we saw a big surge in them. That's why I was but, saying, like, those videos that just, mm-hmm. like, just came out. It's almost unfortunate because I used to look at the Southern people being in a separate class of their own and to see our fellow peers in New York peers doing the fucking same thing that these Southern Republicans <laughs> doing, it makes me question... Are you really, I hate to say this, but are you really a Democrat? Are you really progressive? Are you really healthy? Do you believe in saving American lives? Well. Or do you just want to be out there for the pleasure of yourself, just like I mean, the I think it's more of a selfish thing. But it's selfish because mm-hmm. you... This, I don't know if it's, a, it's like, not it's thinking like a, poli- about a political others. thing. Th- this virus I mean, isn't just... after anybody that is... This virus doesn't walk up to you and say, hey, you Republican? Cool, I'm going to take you out. You Democrat, I'm going to take you out. I think it's people haven't felt it hit as close as home to them as we have. And maybe those particular people that we saw this weekend 
I haven't felt it with any of their friend groups. And I don't mean to say that the virus is like a political thing. I feel like the virus is an educational thing. Mm -hmm. And it just so happens that the left side is a little bit more educated than Mm -hmm. the right side. So to see my fellow... I'm just going to say LGBT people out there because that's what happened in HK Mm -hmm. this weekend. My fellow LGBT community members out there almost siding with the right side, for lack of a better term, made me question their motives. And I didn't really like that because we're supposed to be this epitome of progressiveness, of safety, Mm. of getting over this pandemic and here you are I think it's out a there mental partying. Health. I think it's mental health. I think that people are tired of being inside and I mm-hmm. think that they saw the first sign of being able to get out and they overreacted. And I've seen some posts that people said like, oh, we shouldn't have probably went out this weekend. We made a mistake. I, but isn't that going to be what every state does when the governors say, let's reopen? Oh, we're going to overreact. We're going to mm-hmm. go do this, this, yeah. this, yeah. and this, and this. And it's inevitable. You're going to see the spike in the virus, which is it's, actually it's counter motherfucking productive. Mm-hmm. But do you feel mm-hmm. the media plays a part in that by telling those states like, oh, it's okay. We've got this many of people. Course. Like, I think that like Texas is open. Pretty much. I don't. I don't don't think the media. Sorry, go ahead. I I was gonna say no. A lot of people back home believe that this is a media hoax, just like a huge media thing Mm -hmm. for ratings, and they just want to keep in their in their. I guess in their eyes, they want to just keep America closed because for whatever reason they think is why it's happening. Regardless, I'm just like. I mean, I. I guess I can see that point of view that it's just like it, it, this huge thing that they just want to keep. I don't keep. see that. But point I'm just of like I can't be, well because I can't because it's just, I'm here and right. I'm living it and I'm right. seeing it. It's but I guess hard to imagine someone, like not taking it seriously because we've seen it. We're right. seeing it. And like, you know, we've gotten videos from <laughs> friends who are nurses and doctors and we're seeing like the behind the scenes of it all so like mm-hmm. we know. But it's also like, you know, people in West Texas, they don't they don't see. They don't any see of that. any of that. So, people, so in their bubble, it's to them. It's just like, well, I'm being oppressed for something, something that has nothing to, to do with me. me. So yeah. about oppression. My, no, no, no. My push on I'm bringing it up. My push on that though is Trump has been using this to his advantage for his base for the past few months. So how is that any different? Being devil's advocate, quote unquote, the media amplifying the situation, making it worse than it is. No, Trump is making it okay. Trump is making it, oh, this is the flu. It'll go away in the next few months. He's doing the same motherfucking thing that he says the media is doing. Mm -hmm. That's what I don't understand. But we know that there are hard-hitting people in the media, people who seek the truth, people who investigate, and that's why we are so excited to have Lisa Guerrero up next. Um, Mm -hmm. She is one of the best in the business. And we are so excited to speak to her. So coming up next, Lisa Guerrero. Get ready, everyone. From Inside Edition. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. We have a very special guest with us today on Pride the Podcast. Welcome, Miss Lisa, Lisa Guerrero. Guerrero. Yes. Hi. Hi. Hi, Pride Podcast. How are you? Oh, Doing good. Amazing. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. All, yeah, all the way from the West Coast, uh-huh. from sunny LA. How is it over there? It's beautiful, and I can see why people are trying to like break onto the beaches and everything because 
it's sunny, it's warm, it's glorious, and yet we're all staying inside the house. Like, yeah. 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 But yeah, it's beautiful. As a journalist, how are you finding your job? Like, is it being, are you having to be more out on the field? Are you doing more from like at home interviews? What's going on being a journalist from Inside Edition? Okay, so typically I'm the Inside Edition investigative reporter. Right. So I'm the one that goes all over the country with my investigative unit and we chase bad guys and scam artists and criminals, but we fly everywhere, right? My unit is in New York where you guys are and I live in Los Angeles. And, you know, typically it doesn't matter because we fly everywhere because we go all over the country. But as soon as the coronavirus hit, we shifted gears on the show. And in fact, the show's based out of New York. We have an LA bureau here. And both of our New York buildings were shut down because there were a COVID-19 um, outbreaks there. Wow. So they shifted the majority of a lot of the production out of the LA office. And so I went from being an investigative reporter to a breaking news general assignment reporter doing all coronavirus all the time. Yeah. So for the first three to four weeks of the pandemic, I was out every single day, boots on the ground, in and around Southern California, especially Los Angeles, reporting on breaking news. And as you guys know, the news hasn't changed every day. It changes by the hour. Right. So, you know, I was first reporting on, you know, the, the bigger, broader strokes of the pandemic. And then we were really getting into the weeds with, you know, should you be wearing face mask? How do you make your own face mask? Right. Should you be taking off your shoes at the front door? Can animals get it? You know, how is this affecting your family or your small business? So um, it's, today I did kind of a fun story about the number one um, most Googled recipe during quarantine is banana bread. I was so going to say that. Celebrity baker, and we did banana bread. Fun. Love it. Fun. Well, Adam makes a mean yeah. banana bread oh, if, just if you need him on another segment. <laughs> oh, really? You yeah. Have, later, you'll have to give me your secrets. Oh, you, you got it. Secret to their banana bread. <laughs> so do you find like yourself, like your other colleagues who don't necessarily cover breaking news or having to shift and like be flexible to cover this crazy pandemic being maybe they're like a food lifestyle reporter? I don't, I don't even know. Is everyone just literally covering COVID right now? Yeah, it's been, it was weird. When we first, when the pandemic first hit, everybody was really uh, shifting gears, doing just breaking news, just general assignment stories about the pandemic and how it affects people. Mm-hmm. As it's gone on, we've started to shift because, you know, our show's on every night. It's a half hour show. We have a dozen stories per show. So they're, you know, each story is just a couple minutes long. And we're trying to do different interesting angles, either human interest, news you can use, um, politics, So we're all doing something that we maybe didn't do two months ago. Like I said, I used to do long form journalism where I would go confront a bad guy. And those stories would take days, sometimes weeks Mm -hmm. to put together before we edited it and aired it. Now I'm turning stories. I'm getting up at 4.30 or 5 in the morning and I'm turning a story by noon to feed it. So it's a totally different thing. But I used to work in news I was a sportscaster for years, and yeah, then I worked in entertainment news, and then I switched gears to general assignment, but for the last 10 years, I've been doing investigative. So, yeah. so now I'm 
kind of going back to my roots. I mean, okay. in more ways than one. <laughs> <laughs> you know? We all are literally. Right. I haven't gotten my hair I done. I mean, oh Lord. So, um, but it's been, it's been really good. I mean, I feel as a journalist that what I'm doing is important. Not every story every day is serious for me. Like I said today, I'm doing a banana bread story. Right. So, um, but you know, other stories I, I've been, you know, at hospitals and have, have been doing really serious stories. So I think, you know, the, the main takeaway is the more skills you have, the better and more longevity you will have in news and entertainment and in the media in general. Yeah, because right. if you are just in one niche and you're unwilling to learn different things or try different things, mm -hmm. then you probably won't be working for very long. And yeah. I'm 56. I've been working since I was 16. So 40 yeah. years on camera. And yeah. it's because I do a lot of different things. And right. I keep Absolutely. shifting and adjusting and changing my brand and, and, you know, keeping my eyes open to what's out there and what is something that I want to explore that I might be good at. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, let's dissect that a little bit. So I know you started off as an LA Rams cheerleader and now you're <laughs> like this superstar award-winning journalist. So talk to us a little bit how that journey progressed from like this bombshell cheerleader mm -hmm. to this like amazing investigative reporter. You know, I never, thank you, first of all, I never would have in a million years been able to plan this career. It, it wasn't something that I went to school and said, oh, this is the path I'm going to take and someday I'm going to be an investigative reporter. No, what happened was um, my mom died when I was little and my dad raised me as a single parent and he was a huge sports fan. So he got me into sports and taught me the language of sports when I was eight. Nice. And so I grew up as a little athlete, a Tom boy mm -hmm. um and then when i got older i got discovered as a model in high school when i was 15 and i signed with a modeling agent and i would show up at my um you know at either the commercials or the um print jobs that i would do and i'd have my sports page with me and i would be talking sports with the crew um as the makeup people were putting on my makeup and i i started to dream of maybe a career in sports Mm -hmm. And at the time, there were no female sportscasters in L.A. at all. Right. And um, I, I just, because I was into theater and acting and also sports, when I became a teenager, I thought, well, maybe I will try out for the Rams cheerleaders, you know, at 19 when I was in college. So I tried out and I made it. And I spent four years on the sidelines, you know, cheering for the Rams. But I would be looking over at the sidelines and seeing, you know, all these male sideline reporters. Yeah. And I would say to myself, someday I'm going to do that instead yeah. of this. I'm going to drop my pom-poms and pick up a microphone. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that took me a couple years to get there. But, you know, I was taking acting classes and I was working in L.A. and just really building my resume and, you know, just being a starving artist and actor and uh, just doing all kinds of commercials. And I guest starred in Matlock and in the heat of the night and, you know, mm -hmm. crazy, crazy shows from the eighties and nineties. And finally I got to the point where after I had cheered for a while and worked in the front office for a couple of teams, I came back to Los Angeles and really decided to diligently pursue both modeling and acting. Mm -hmm. And I had one headshot with my dad's last name Coles. So mm -hmm. I was Lisa Coles for acting and I was Lisa Guerrero for broadcasting because I was told you couldn't do both. So I wow. had two different oh, agents wow. and two different headshots and resumes hustling, getting jobs in both 
areas and both my agents didn't know the other existed. Oh, that right. is that's yeah. amazing. Crazy, that is so right? strategic. So, right? And I'm actually writing a book right now, you guys, called Between a Jock and a Hard Place. And <laughs> I love that's that. Amazing. That's amazing. That's amazing. And it's all, it's all, it's got all these stories. It was so crazy. But, but here's the really wild thing. One day in the 90s, the late 90s, you know, as I was kind of doing like this double life, I got a booking on the same day. One is a sportscaster for CBS2 in Los Angeles to be the female weekend sportscaster, the first woman they'd ever hired. Mm -hmm. And then on that same day, I got an offer for an Aaron Spelling show called Sunset Beach. Yeah. I got both those, and that was NBC. So these are two different networks mm -hmm. on the same day. I'm telling you guys, this could not happen today. But back then, both my agents, once they screamed at me for doing both things and they didn't know about it, they worked <laughs> together and negotiated with CBS and NBC to get me both jobs. Wow, so for wow. one year straight, Monday through Friday, I was Francesca Vargas on NBC on uh, Sunset Beach. And Saturdays <laughs> yes. and Sundays, I was a sportscaster on CBS too. Yes. Los she so can do it all. She can do it. Oh <laughs> my God. I, I just think Crazy it's so... Story. I think it's so amazing. I mean, kind of on Francesca, like I was telling you, like, I grew up thinking I was Francesca. It's kind of got me in a little bit of trouble with, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't stole any jewels, but I definitely was after man. It was great. Um, but I just, I think that when you played Francesca, it was such a great role because at that time with the show, I hadn't seen such a strong female come in and say, I'm going to own it. This is what I'm going to do. And this is how I'm going to do it. Would you consider, first of all, what was your favorite thing about playing Francesca? And would you consider ever doing a soap again? Oh, great questions. Um, I adored Francesca. And uh, another funny story about Francesca is this. I originally didn't audition for Francesca. I auditioned for Maria, who was a, like, kind yeah. of a sweet, good girl. She was a victim. She was the victim mm -hmm. of a rape. Mm -hmm. And um, they brought me in to audition for Maria. And I got all the way to the test, you know, where they have the, the screen test. Mm -hmm. And it was down to three actresses. And I saw on the monitor how those women were playing Maria. And I just thought, you know what? I'm not going to play her as a victim. I'm going to play her as an angry person right. that was okay. angry and strong and, and wanted to, to have retribution. Right. So I, I went completely opposite of the other actresses. And the guy, Tim Adams, mm -hmm. played opposite me. Remember Tim? Yeah. Gorgeous guy. He's so um, good looking. Him. Oh, so good looking. <laughs> <laughs> I digress. Yes. <laughs> so I went in and he was shocked because I came in just raging through the door for mm. my screen test. And I was just so furious that somebody did this to me right. and he went out he went up on his lines he completely forgot his lines on my screen test and he apologized and we did it again and i just thought at the end of it i'm like oh well i blew that because this yeah. is obviously not what they're looking for and right. tim adams probably hates me and oh my gosh this is terrible so i go home and i had a good cry and uh, the next day my agent called and she said look you're not going to get that role and I'm like, I knew it, I knew it, I blew it. And she goes, no, 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 Aaron Spelling himself saw it and he's going to write a role for you. Wow. Because he's so strong. And he, his favorite film is Gilda. 
starring Rita Hayworth. Yes. Which is my favorite film. Oh my I God. adore Rita Hayworth. And she's also half Hispanic, like I am. Mm -hmm. And I, she, I, in fact, I had that poster, that iconic Gilda poster in mm -hmm. my room as an actor growing up. That's so, amazing. Oh, wow. It's amazing. So he wrote Francesca based on Rita Hayworth's character in Gilda. She was a jewel thief. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was given that role. Because I lost the other role, I ended up getting a better role that was more suited for me. So yeah. it's like when I talk to young actors about choices they make when they go into auditions, I always, I always say to them, go with your gut and be mm -hmm. true to who you are because eventually you are going to shine through that character. Right. And That's very true. You know, Francesca was a bad girl and she was originally written to be on the show for just three months. But because I really inhabited her and at first the audience didn't like me because I was trying to break up Eddie Cibrian's relationship with his wife. Yeah. Oh, Who also yeah. looks very good. Yes. He looks so, so great. Good. You have all the best yeah. men surrounding you. That's why I was like, I can do that too. <laughs> he was hot, so hot. But I mean, I feel like, you know, people try to be something they're not when they try to break into the business. Right. Yeah. Whether it's news or media, you know, you guys are all gorgeous young people starting out your careers. Um, what you, the advice I would give anybody is just if you know who you are and you know how to develop your own voice, be true to that because yeah. that's going to take you into the place you want to be, not in the place they think you should be. Mm -hmm. Wow. I love that. That's, that's great. great. And advice. so would you do another soap? Would you ever come back and do it? I would. I would. I, it, I had such a wonderful time. And um, two of my best friends were uh, two of my nemesis. Uh, so Cam oh, nice. um, Haskin, who played Caitlin, uh -huh. and Priscilla Garita, who played Gabby. They're still my two best friends. And I just made so many amazing relationships from being on a soap opera. I would do it again in a heartbeat if I could also still chase bad guys. So I know I can do two jobs at once. Right. So well, you've already done it. You've already been like a news person Monday through Friday. Right. Or, yeah. or, sorry, a soap exactly. actress Monday through Friday. Yeah, and then you have it. I, I think it's very possible to do that. And I think like your advice for anyone out there listening, definitely take that on us as well. Like we're, we're definitely going to take that. I have a very similar story I'll share with you another time. It happened with me on Blue Bloods. I went in for a role, did, messed it up. <laughs> and said, I'm not getting it. And they wrote one for me. And it happened. It worked. Like, See? It happened I'm following your footsteps. Time. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> Including the attraction to men. Yes. <laughs> I'm there. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, just to touch base on um, your career, have there any been um, any investigative pieces you may have like been afraid to touch on or, you know, jump head, you know, first into? Um, if you would, you know, talk about that, that would be great. So, um, you know, I've been doing investigations now for over a decade on Inside mm -hmm. Edition. And, you know, we do everything from cold cases, um, crime scams to consumer reports. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I like to say that, um, you know, I wake up every morning, I'm so thankful I have this job because I'm, I'm literally not afraid of anything. And I don't know mm -hmm. why that is. I, I, I am a brave person. I practice being brave. You know, I do keynote speeches about how to be more brave, where I give people tips on how they can practice inner courage. Um, so I've never been scared of doing an investigation 
but I have been reluctant to do some uh, stories where I don't feel like we're going to give somebody a fair enough shake. Like if there's not enough time because our stories are you know pretty condensed mm -hmm. and if it's a story that has a lot of backstory or a lot of documentation where we're not going to be able to get into it and we're not going to be able to present the story fairly then mm -hmm. i i don't want to go there because i feel like you know we in the media we're already being accused of being fake news right. and right. is the enemy and all of all of that stuff so now when i approach my job i really look at it and go okay is this a story where I'm going to be fair and balanced? We're still going to hopefully hold somebody accountable because right. if somebody's scamming somebody, if somebody's scamming a kid, somebody elderly, an animal, a person of color, a woman, you know, whatever those things that I really care about, mm -hmm. if somebody is doing that, then they deserve to be held accountable and they deserve to be taken to task. But when we do it, are we also giving them an opportunity to speak back to me? And right. usually if they run away, I can't control that, right? All I can control right. is my questions and my demeanor. If they choose to run away or lie or try to hit me or the cameraman, I can't control that. But I do want to always give somebody the opportunity to at least tell their side of the story. Does that yeah. make sense? That's yeah. very, very well. Do you have like a go-to question that you ask? This is just me asking for my own personal benefit. But like whatever you're, whatever you're like investigating and you may find like the conversation is at a lull, do you have like a go-to question that you're like, well, did you do it? Like, what is it? Yeah, what is yeah I think, look, I, I always, this is, that's a good question too. And, and one thing that I try to do is really personalize what that person did to himself or herself. In other words, I like to say, do you have a daughter? How would you like mm. it if somebody did that to your daughter? Right. Do you have a mom or dad or grandpa or grandma? Would you like it if somebody scammed your grandmother the way you scammed other people's grandmothers? Yeah. So my go-to is try to put it back on them and appeal to who they are and okay. their sense, their sense of right and wrong. Everybody has it. Some people decide to, to push it down or to ignore right. it. Yeah. But most of us know the difference between right and wrong. Yeah. And people that are doing bad things to others don't want those things done to their own family members. Yeah. Right. yeah. Has, so has there been like a, a favorite story that you have done? Or what do you feel like is the most important? Like you feel like, wow, this story that I did really made a difference. I mean, yeah. I know they all do, but like. <laughs> yeah. So I did a, a story called Justice for Juliet, mm -hmm. and it was a story that took several years. We, we covered it for three or four different stories over a two-year period, and a woman contacted me on Facebook, Monica Hall, and she said that her niece had been killed in her crib. She was a part of a set of twins, and um, one of the, the, the twins had been killed, and there were only three adults in the house, the mom, the mom's boyfriend, and the boyfriend's friend. And they had been drinking and doing drugs that night. And the little girl was killed and um, local law enforcement dropped the ball. They didn't secure the crime scene. They didn't separate the witnesses or suspects. They let them go to three different states and they gave up and they're like, okay, cold case. So nobody ever uh, was arrested for that little girl's horrible death. Yeah. So Monica Hall contacted me just randomly on Facebook. Can you look into this? 
And uh, we did, and we started the journey of covering the story. And we were able to find all those three suspects in three different states when law enforcement said they didn't know where they were. We found them all. Wow. We interviewed them all. The mom turned over on the ex-boyfriend on camera. And between us catching that on camera and Monica Hall getting a bunch of signatures in Nebraska to hold a grand jury, between both sides of it, we were able to force the district attorney to have a grand jury. They looked at the case. He went to trial. His name is Dustin Chauncey. That was the boyfriend. And they found him guilty. And he's now serving 80 years to life in prison. Wow. That's, that's very powerful. That is yeah, that's uh, impressive. amazing. So is that the type of work that makes you beat Anderson Cooper? <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> for, the, for the National Headliner Award? Like, we, we're a little shady. We have to give it. <laughs> no, we love Anderson. We, we love Anderson now. He just had a baby. We do love Anderson. We love Anderson. Let me tell you how much I adore Anderson Cooper. He's my favorite anchor. And um, what was really funny when I started uh, doing investigations, one of my first investigations won this big first place national headliner award. And um, it was, it started as a consumer report, but it ended up revealing, you know, a crime and mm -hmm. it had this crazy ending and we ended up winning this huge award. And I looked at the list of, so we won first place and then second place and third place and second place was like Anderson Cooper. And I'm like, what? How? <laughs> wow. So, uh, yeah, we do all kinds of different stories, and we're a syndicated show, so we don't have a ton of money behind us. We don't have a huge production team behind us. Right. We only have a few minutes to tell a story, mm -hmm. so it's not like 60 minutes where we have all these resources. Right. So, right. since I've been there, we've won 25 national investigative awards, wow. and that to me is such That's a better. huge thing because we work so hard with you know a, a fraction of the resources that you know dateline or you know all yeah, these other shows right, have right. but we're really proud of our work you guys and it you know it it makes me feel good to know that we're shedding light on wrongdoing that dustin chauncey is in prison mm -hmm. that people are are being revealed for who they are on camera it makes me feel really good yeah, that's, that's amazing. It's that's amazing awesome. accomplishment. I, I think it's so great. I mean, I've been following you on Twitter for ever and a day. Um, and I see all the things that you advocate for and all the fighting that you do. And I, I, I want you to know I'm so inspired by it. I think other people are inspired by it. Daily, you are going out there and you're speaking. You spoke out against immigration and different things. And speaking of that and everything that's going on in the world now, how do you, not necessarily going into politics, but how do you feel like that the world, with everything changing, like how do you feel that's affected you and your family and everything with immigration? Yeah, great, great question, Jarrell. So my, I am the daughter of an immigrant. Mm -hmm. I'm Latina. My father is a social worker for the Salvation Army. So I come from a long line of social justice warriors. Mm -hmm. And in fact, Guerrero means warrior. Wow. Yeah. So I am very much a fighter. And I feel like I was put here in this position, in this platform to fight for victims. Mm -hmm. And the victims in our society right now need fighting for. Yeah. There are bullies all over the place, including in politics, where they are hurting people, affecting people. And, you know, we have to be brave enough to stand up for our brothers and sisters that need our help, for vulnerable people that don't have a voice. Mm -hmm. I feel like I have a small platform, and I want to use my platform 
to call out injustice wherever I can. Yeah. So that's part of, you know, why I, I feel so um, close to people that, that need fighting for. I mean, yeah. everybody does, right? But I feel like I was just born into it because of my lineage. Mm -hmm. But also the stuff I see in politics right now is disgusting and it's upsetting. Yeah. And it's costing people's lives. Yeah. I mean, we've got over 60,000 people that are dead today that were alive three months ago. And there, there, there needs to be accountability. When this, right now, our immediate focus should be keeping people safe and healthy, as many right. as we can. Mm -hmm. uh, but when this part of the pandemic is done, we need to go back and hold people accountable for what mm -hmm. they're doing right now. Yeah, because there needs to be a price to pay. Absolutely. There needs to be a price to pay. And I hope that I get to tell some of those stories. That would yeah. be amazing. Yeah. yeah. And thank you so much for fighting. Like, you know, yeah. using your power, your voice, your platform. Yeah. For good. Oh, you I guys mean, are too. We're you know, LGBTQ. I, I your podcast and you okay. guys are fun, but you also are passionate about doing the right thing and being yeah. advocates for your community. And, and I want to do that too. It was funny. I went dancing at the Abbey not too long ago. I used yes, to yeah, Abbey. Abbey. <laughs> oh my God. I love, I love the Abbey. So when I was on Sunset Beach, we had a huge gay cult following and so many people loved Francesca. I was the fan club president of the following. Yeah. Oh, Oh my God, all these guys would be, you know, buying me drinks. It's Francesca, it's Francesca. And it was so much fun. And I went a couple of months ago again, and it had been a couple of years since I'd been there. I went again and they're like, it's Lisa Guerrero from Inside Edition. I love your investigations. Can I buy you a drink? So I have to tell you that more hot men buy me drinks at the Abbey than anywhere else in my life. Yes. yes. And we'll hold you to that. When we come to LA, I'll get you a drink. We got all your drinks. We got your drinks. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Oh yes. Yeah. So um so speaking of just all that you've done, you're so well rounded, like going talking about cheerleader, acting, journalism, like is there anything else that you want to I know you mentioned you're writing a book, like is there anything else that you're gonna venture out to? Like I don't know. I feel like I'm gonna see you on Dancing with the Stars. Are you gonna run for office? Like, like I don't know. You do it all, girl, and it's so inspiring. I love it. Thank you. Well, I, I want to do Dancing with the Stars for sure. Um, I, 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 want, I want to um, finish my book and that should be out. We're in the process right now of finalizing it and hopefully, God willing, that will be out early next year. Then I, I do, I don't know if you guys know, I'm a mosaic artist, so mm -hmm. I do art and I'm constantly putting together art pieces and art shows that I show in galleries. So I want to write another, I've written an arts and crafts book. I want to write another book this time oh, just I, about I mosaic. Yes. Yeah. And, um, and the other thing that I want to do is continue doing investigations. I would love to someday have my own show where I'm doing investigations. Yes. Um, I would also, you know, I always think, oh, I'd love to be on the top and be on a panel show. Yeah. yeah. Have a platform to talk about you know, daily news. So, you know, as you can see, I'm just, I've got 10 different irons in the fire. And yeah. I think that's really important for you guys to take away from this conversation yeah. today is to explore all of those things you do. I wrote a country music song on a $20 bet 10 years ago that's now climbing the country charts. What is wow. it? Everybody loves the comeback. Yeah. Download <laughs> Everybody Loves a Comeback by Keith Burns. 
Okay. And I actually okay. wrote that on a $20 bet and I don't like country. I'm not into it. And I teased somebody at an event that I could write a country music song in 24 hours. And I did, and I got 20 bucks and somebody gave it to Keith Burns, who's a Grammy nominee. <laughs> he recorded it last year and I'm singing back up in it. Wow. So what I tell you is never say no to a good bet. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Tell yourself you can't do something. You can do anything you want. It's cheesy, it sounds cheesy, but I'm the living proof that you can do anything you want. So I'm 56 and I feel like my career is just getting underway. Like, Amen. I feel like I've got years and years and years to go with so many things I want to accomplish. Yes. Did you make more than $20 off that song? <laughs> I did. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. The gift that keeps on giving. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, you said you wanted your own like investigative, like, you know, show which i could totally see for yes. sure um well i know you've probably seen you know tiger king it's all the rage right now yes it, and in <laughs> your expert opinion do you think carol baskins killed her husband <laughs> okay so do you guys know that i interviewed joe exotic 10 years ago oh, no! okay. oh my god we gotta no, hear all, all about the tea. It. <laughs> okay so he's bananas and we, we did the story because we knew that he he was taking these tiger cubs and taking these them to these malls all, mm -hmm. all around the country and um, charging people money to to take a picture with a tiger cub right. and yeah. we had heard that these cubs were being abused and they were dying and that they were getting really sick and that that there was abuse going on at his roadside zoos mm -hmm. so we started investigating him um, in 2010 and we finally brought him and we asked him for a sit-down interview he agreed so he went to our New York office in Inside Edition, and we sat down for an interview with him, and it was crazy. <laughs> I can only imagine. Crazy. And, you know, at the time, and, uh, you know, I mean, this is no joke. At the time, 25 of his tiger cubs had died in his care, oh, and he was being investigated um, by law enforcement and um, other entities because of these deaths and these mm -hmm. horrible conditions right. at his due. So he was very defensive about it when I asked him about it. And he was starting to get argumentative with me. And then he said, did Carol Baskin put you up to this? And I'm like, no, sir. Uh, she did not. Did she pay your show? Did she pay your, uh, what did he call it? Your TV channel to, to do this to me? And I'm like, no, sir, she did not pay us to do this. We're investigating these deaths in right. your tiger cubs and, and the, the horrible, uh, you know, alleged um, roadside zoos that you are, you know, that you own and that you are charging people to come into in the terrible conditions. And he kept going on and on about Carol Baskin. This was 10 years ago. So uh, yeah. that whole, that whole interview and that part of it, he's like yelling at me, screaming at me. He wants to like tear off his microphone at one point. It was really, really chippy. Oh and I, that entire interview, I want Inside Edition to post it on our digital, yeah. on our yeah. page. Yeah. So yeah. everybody can see the entire interview because it's crazy. So imagine my surprise when I hear that Tiger King is a thing. And I'm like, right. wait a minute, I know that guy. I know, <laughs> I know, I know where his like tiger bear bodies are buried. In his <laughs> right. oh, so I was watching with great interest and I was really uh, pissed off 
because mm -hmm. they kind of made him into a victim. And as yeah, somebody yeah. that yeah. that has seen that his actions actually caused these these beautiful animals' deaths. Right. I was really disgusted that they didn't like get into that more. That they kind of played up the Carol Baskin thing. Right. Um, and she and obviously she came across horribly and like a Looney Tune too. <laughs> and they everybody there's nobody that came out of that show <laughs> exactly. a normal person. Everybody, nobody. Like, I would want to live next door to any of them. No. no. <laughs> that's me. But the thing that I took away was um, that. I was disappointed in the way that they made him seem sympathetic. I think he's right where he belongs. That doesn't mean that she didn't kill her ex-husband. Right. right. I mean, that's a whole separate investigation that I would love to do too. I was just about to say. say. I mean, get on it and you investigate. Can be true. Yeah, yeah, both yeah. things can be true at the same time. So I know a lot of people are looking into it. Um, we had actually talked about it. I don't know if that's something we're going to pursue, but if we do, you know, I'm going to get to the bottom of that. I think it's so interesting because one thing we've all said about Tiger King is, and you just said it, no one there looks good. So they were all fighting each other, but all wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, so it, it was, it was very difficult to be on anyone's team. And I think he came out of it because he, the way they positioned him, like you said, in the show, it was like, oh, we have to kind of feel for him. I mean, he had a husband who killed himself, but then you think, oh, well, he manipulated those men to marry him. So I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it yeah. And it, you know, the thing that I take away too from the whole experience is that Carol Baskin ruined animal print for me. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ruined. Yeah. Seriously. She did. She did. I'm a girl that loves my animal print. I, I mean, this is my this is my chair here that I yeah. Yes. I have animal print all the time. My car has animal print car seats in it. I mean, I love me some animal print, and that girl just ruined it. Yeah, yeah. she did. She took it to so a whole new level of tacky. <laughs> That's funny. Well, Lisa, we really enjoyed having you on our episode. You are just an inspiration to all of us. Seriously. Yeah, here, seriously. we're taking notes from your book that's going to come out soon because we literally want to follow in your footsteps. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Yeah. Thank you, Lisa. Thank, thank you, you for coming back. I'm sending back. you so much love. Sending oh, you love, too. Lisa. Where Where can our listeners follow you? So please follow me on Twitter and Instagram at for Lisa Guerrero. And I also have a Facebook fan page and I'm on LinkedIn. I'm everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. I'm not on TikTok yet, but maybe <laughs> that's yeah. it's, it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. Just right. Google Lisa Guerrero and she'll pop and up. Right. You'll yeah. pop up. <laughs> Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so Lisa. much, Lisa. So much. Bye, so, be bye. safe. Bye. Bye. Welcome, Welcome back. back. I loved her. She was she cool. Was amazing. She was very inspiring, actually. Very inspiring. She was as uh, amazing as I knew she would be. Yeah. And like She was that like, girl I knew she would be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just representing for like very powerful women that like you can do whatever you want to do. She does so much stuff. Yeah. Yeah. 
like so like I said so well rounded like it's just like oh entertainment and this I'm like I'm smart and I'm beautiful and I'm this and I'm that and it was just like wow and she has so many plans for the future I feel like she has everything laid out like mm-hmm. I'm so excited for her book to come out yeah jock in a hard place <laughs> that's it's, hilarious that's good the best name ever <laughs> it sounds like something like bear would write you know a bear yeah. a bear are you gonna write it I should I'm gonna take her book and put it to my book. Okay. Okay. What is your book title? I don't know yet. It's still in the works. Right now it's called XXX. Because okay. whenever it should I'm say like, that. No, shut up. Because <laughs> whenever I'm like writing it in the pro- proposal, it's like XXX because I'll come back and fit the title in because mm. I don't know yet. Mm. So it's just XXX right now. I kind of like that though. Well, you would. It's not no porn book though. It should be. It could be. be. <laughs> it could be. No I did love book. that. Um, she touched on immigration. We, you know, we didn't talk a whole la 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 lot of it. You mm-hmm. know, but, um, that her family, her parent, who was it? Her uh, mother her mom was from Chile. Yeah, it was from Chile. Yeah, my dad went through the whole same the whole the same thing. He came over the mountains a couple times illegally. They caught him, took him back. There was one time he made it. He was here. He had a job. He was making money. He like was just living his best life. Mm-hmm. And um, his brother, my Theo, Avi, was like, hey, I need to go back, so I need you to come with me. Uh. He was like, I mean, I just got everything ready. I'm set up. Like, <sighs> okay. And so he went back with him. And they you know, went back over the mountain, and they were doing their whatever. So the white person in me wants to say that's such a great story for Cinco de Mayo. But <laughs> but Cinco de Mayo has nothing to do with the majority of the Mexican people, right? I mean, like they don't celebrate Cinco de Mayo. It's some literally an American no, holiday. No, it's, it, yeah, pretty mm-hmm. much. It's 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 only because uh, it's like when the Mexican army defeated the French army, which at that time was like the most powerful army, you mm-hmm. know, in the land, and so they defeated them, and so it is, you know, it's a celebration, you know. I, yeah. I think it's what like the story any, you just uh, told whatever. speaks to how strong your family is. Like your dad made a decision to go back with his brother to support right. him. Right, and so he he, he went back and did his thing or whatever, and then he was like, I I gotta go back, and so he went back, and then you know he we lived, and then I showed up, and he done everything. Well, showed up. Well, thank, well he had done. The Lord, he came back. Well, like because. I'm cutting from like there to like when I finally showed so up. So this but, was but, like after you. Him and your mom were married. They already had, like... No, this was before... Like, he went back, and then when he finally came back for the last time, that's when he met my mom. Oh, okay. And then he had the children, and then he had me, (laughs) and then it was... The children and you. The children. It was 2000, and it had been, like, 2001, he was, like, studying for his... uh, Citizenship? Citizenship. And you remember that? That Yeah, because I was helping, like, you know, quiz and, like, you know was offering my like oh this is what i know about this subject mm-hmm. you know x y z um and then i remember going to dallas and taking the test and then we celebrate and he got it and it was like all right and so tell the story was, adam yeah. about what happened to you in school <laughs> no no it's such a it's such a story that i want people to hear because it's it, it speaks to how our no, no. no. I, it speaks to I... how our nation our world is right now like and well basically in a nutshell yeah i started kindergarten and because there were only just like a handful of us. It was like me, Fabian, Eddie, Carlos, 
I think maybe one more, but I don't know. Sorry remember. to interrupt. A handful of students? A handful, a handful of brown of... boys. Okay, I was, I was trying to... <laughs> Mexican, Mexican boys. Yeah, okay, yeah, it, yeah. So. And so we all got picked, and we were all put in this classroom. And, like, then Miss Miss Guerra, who, God bless her soul, she came in, and she started talking to us in Spanish. And at that point, I was like, I don't know what's happening. Like, I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> I only see baby Adam with a big ass head. And I was like, I, like, raised my hand. I was like, ah! Yeah, like, <laughs> no, no Nintendo. Like, no I don't. Nintendo. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I don't think I belong here. And it was like, oh, okay, yeah. Then you know, I went. So went they just assumed, but they just because assumed because I was brown, just like all of my other little friends. That you didn't speak no I, English. I didn't speak no English, or that English was a second language. To me. Mm. It was like no, no. <laughs> For me, Spanish was always a second language. Like I never grew up learning Spanish, and like my brothers and sisters did. And they learned it, and they, you know, were all taught Spanish. But by the time I came around, it was like we had already been in Texas, you know. So it was so only long. you that didn't like learn I, Spanish. Yeah, I was the only one. But it's great yeah. when Adam can hear Spanish, and he's like, "I know what they're saying. I yeah, can speak it." I can understand it, it pretty, pretty, I, pretty well. When I, I can't speak it, and when I can, it's very just like. You know, I feel like you can Christian speak is. it more than you think you can. That's you, what my just, mom says. You absolutely I, I can know. because if you can understand it, I I feel like I can understand it, but I don't can't really speak it because I just pick out key words. Well, you speak and Korean, I, and I piece it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I try and piece it together. Whereas that's I feel what like I do too, you though. can hear it and like hear everything. Well, Whether it's the, me, like yeah, I hear key words and I piece it together, I'm like, oh, I know what you're trying to say. Yeah, I don't, I I don't know what way. every single word you're saying is, but like I, I was the, the president of the, the Spanish, Spanish club, club in high school. <laughs> okay, and I can also put together some words. Yeah, no, honestly, that's it is for me. That's mm-hmm. it's seriously what it is. It's like I hear those certain words in the phrase, and I'm like, okay, well, obviously, this is what we're talking about. This is the scenario we're right, in. Right, right. Um, you know, I mean, but, at the, and at the end of the day, as funny as that story may be, this is just showing you, please don't read a book by its cover. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we are all Americans. We are all people. We're all humans. And there's just no reason. And Lisa definitely taught us that in her interview. Absolutely. I loved yeah. it. It was I a beautiful, I, 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 I'll say it again. It was very inspiring. You know, she she really basically was. was like, you can do whatever you want to do. I was so, like, okay. you damn right, Lisa. <laughs> and she you. was also like, you're already changing lives. Yes. And I was like, sure. oh, thank you for letting <laughs> some, me know. <laughs> I'm hoping some little gay boy out there, some little gay girl, somebody out there is just and you hearing don't even our have to be gay. stories. Some little fat kid. Yeah. Like me. <laughs> hearing our stories and they're like, you're not fat. I, I, I hefty. Listen, I was always called I, hefty. I think no, I am beautiful. But oh, I, great! I'm glad you said. No, no, but I think that you can. I can say that I'm fat without meaning it in a negative, negative sense. Absolutely. That's like, gonna be a I, whole. Other it is. Episode. It's a whole another episode, a whole oh, another conversation. That's a great. But like, I, I think that. like I am fat, but that doesn't mean that I'm not. I want to bring on Darren and Christina for that. Uh, yeah, for that yeah. that episode because they have talked to me about it before, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Yes, girl, mm-hmm. we gonna have a whole conversation about it." Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't wait. So, thank you everyone for listening today. Thank, thank you, you so Lisa much. Guerrero, for giving us one of the most inspirational interviews that we've had yet on Pride the Podcast. Yes, and we will be back with another phenomenal guest next, next week. week. Boop, 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 See you next week. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Pride the Podcast. I'm Mr. Braden Bradley. I'm Darrell Anthony. And I'm Ashley Mitchell. And I'm Adam Andrew Rios. Bye. Stay safe. Bye. Wash your hands. Wash your ass. Wash your ass. Wash your ass. Bye. <laughs>